I live in Europe, and it's incredibly easy to travel here. By bus, train or plane, I can be in any other European country in a matter of hours, for pretty cheap. But while I'm in other countries, I still want to check my emails, check my YouTube analytics and all that fun stuff. Well, by using Surfshark VPN, I changed my location to France using one of their 3200 plus servers, and I'm no longer annoyed by thousands of emails from Google freaking out saying, Oh my god, there's a computer in Spain trying to hack you! There isn't Google. It's me. And thanks to Surfshark, I'm no longer bothered by these annoying messages. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 per month on a two-year plan, and log into all your accounts anywhere with zero hassle and no annoying emails. Did you know that whenever you use a website, you give them permission to track what you do online? If you keep the tab open, they can see what you do and create a digital footprint of you. Well, with Surfshark Antivirus, not only will you never have to worry about downloading any risky files, but all of your web browsing will be protected, guaranteeing that you can search freely without leaving any digital footprint, and guaranteeing that you can't be tracked online. If you feel like your online protection should be better, Use the link in the description and episode notes to get 76% off Surfshark Antivirus today. And feel safe every day on your devices. Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. This show is brought to you by my store, where you can purchase all of my audiobooks for €5. It's one of the easiest ways to support me, and uh, it really makes my day. Um, Yeah. Let's get started. The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne Chapter 14 Hester and the Physician Hester bade Little Pearl to run down to the margin of the water and play with the shells and tangled seaweed until she should have talked a while with yonder gatherer of herbs. So the child flew away like a bird and making bare her small white feet went pattering along the moist margin of the sea. Here and there she came to a full stop, and peeped curiously into a pool, left by the retiring tide as a mirror for Pearl to see her face in. Forth peeped at her, out of the pool, with dark, glistening curls around her head, and an elf smile in her eyes, the image of a little maid, whom Pearl, having no other playmate, invited to take her hand and run a race with her. But the visionary little maid, on her part, beckoned likewise, as if to say, This place is better. Come now, into the pool and Pearl, stepping in mid-leg deep, beheld her own white feet at the bottom, while, out of a still lower depth, came the gleam of a kind of fragmentary smile floating to and fro in the agitated water. Meanwhile, her mother had accosted the physician. "'I would speak a word with you,' she said, "'a word that concerns us much.' (laughs) "'And it is Mistress Hester that has a word for old Roger Chillingworth,' answered he, raising himself from his stooping posture." With all my heart. My mistress, I hear good tidings of you on all hands. No longer than yester eve, a magistrate, a wise and godly man, was discoursing of your affairs, Mistress Hester, and whispered me that there had been question concerning you and the council. It was debated whether or no, with safety to the Commonwealth, yonder scarlet letter might be taken off your bosom. On my life, Hester, I made my entreaty to the worshipful magistrate that it might be done forthwith. It lies not in the pleasure of the magistrate to take off this badge, calmly replied Chester. Were I worthy to be quit of it, it would fall away of its own nature, or be transformed into something that should speak a different purport. 
Nay, then, wear it, if it suits you better, rejoined he. A woman must needs follow her fancy, touching the adornment of her peace. The letter is gaily embroidered, and shows right bravery on your bosom. All this while, Hester had been looking steadily at the old man, and was shocked, as well as wonder-smitten, to discern what change had been wrought upon him within the past several years. It was not so much that he had grown older, for though the traces of advancing life were visible, he bore his age well, and seemed to retain a wiry vigour and alertness. But the former aspect of an intellectual and studious man, calm and quiet, which was what she best remembered him, had altogether vanished, and been succeeded by an eager, searching, almost fierce, yet carefully guarded look. It seemed to be his wish and purpose to mask this expression with a smile, but the latter played him false, and flicked over his visage so derisively that the spectator could see his blackness all the better for it. Ever and anon, too, there came a glare of red light out of his eyes, as if the old man's soul were on fire, and kept smouldering duskily within his breast, until, by some casual puff of passion, it was blown into a momentary name. This he repressed as speedily as possible, and strove to look as if nothing of the kind had happened. In a word, old Roger Chillingworth was a striking evidence of man's faculty of transforming himself into a devil, if he will, only, for a reasonable space of time, undertake a devil's office. This unhappy person had effected such a transformation by devoting himself for seven years to the constant analysis of a heart full of torture, and deriving his enjoyment thence and adding fuel to those fiery tortures which he analysed and gloated over. The scarlet letter burned on Hester Prim's bosom. Here was another ruin, the responsibility of which came partly home to her. What's you in my face, asked the physician, that you look at it so earnestly? Something that would make me weep if there were any tears bitter enough for it, answered she. But let it pass. It is of yonder miserable man that I would speak. And what of him? cried Roger Chillingworth, eagerly, as if he loved the topic, and were glad of an opportunity to discuss it with the only person of whom he could make a confident. Not to hide in the truth, Mistress Hester, my thoughts happen just now to be busy with the gentleman. So speak freely, and it will make answer. When we last spake together, said Hester Prim, now seven years ago, it was your pleasure to extort a promise of secrecy as touching the former relation betwixt yourself and me. As the life and good fame of yonder man were in your hands, there seemed no choice to me save be silent in accordance with your behest. Yet it was not without heavy misgivings that I thus bound myself, for, having cast off all duty towards other human beings, there remained a duty towards him, and something whispered me that I was betraying it in pledging myself to keep your counsel. Since that day, no man is so near to him as you, you tread behind his every footstep. You are beside him, sleeping and waking. You search his thoughts. You burrow and rankle in his heart. Your clutch is on his life, and you cause him to die daily a living death. And still, he knows you not. Your clutch is on his life, and you cause him daily to die a living death. And still, he knows you not. In permitting this, I have surely acted a false part by the only man to whom power was left to me to be true. What choice had you? asked Roger Chillingworth. My finger, pointed at this man, would have hurled him from his pulpit into a dungeon, thence, peradventure, to the gallows. 
It'd have better been so, said Hester Prynne. What evil have I done the man? asked Roger Chillingworth again. I tell thee, Hester Prynne, the richest fee that ever physician earned from a monarch could not have bought such care as I have wasted on this miserable priest. But for my aid, his life would have burned away in torment in the first two years after the perpetration of his crime and thine. For Hester, his spirit lacked the strength that could have borne up, as thine hath, beneath a burden like thy scarlet letter. No, I could reveal a goodly secret. But enough. What art can I do have exhausted on him? He now breathes and creeps about on this earth, owing all to me. Better had he died at once. Yeah, woman, thou sayest truly, cried old Roger Chillingworth, letting the lurid fire in his heart blaze out before his eyes. Better had he died at once. Never did mortal suffer what this man has suffered, and all in the sight of his worst enemy. He has been conscious of me. He has felt an interference dwelling always upon him like a curse. He knew, by some spiritual sense, for the creator never made a being so sensitive as this, he knew that no friendly hand was pulling at his heartstrings, and that an eye was looking curiously into him, which sought only evil, and found it. But he knew not that that eye and hand were mine. With the superstition common to its brotherhood, he fancied himself given over to a fiend, to be tortured with frightful dreams and desperate thoughts, the sting of remorse and despair of pardon as a foretaste of what awaits him beyond the grave. But it was the constant shadow of my presence, the constant propinquity of man whom he had most vilely wronged, and whom had grown to exist only by this perpetual poison of the direst revenge. Yea, indeed, he did not err. There was a fiend at his elbow. A mortal man, with once a human heart, has become a fiend for his especial torment. The unfortunate physician, while uttering these words, lifted his hands with a look of horror, as if he beheld some frightful shape which he could not recognise usurping the place of his own image in a glass. It was one of those moments, which sometimes occur only at the interval of years, when a man's moral aspect is faithfully revealed to his mind's eye. Not improbably, he had never before viewed himself as he did now. "'Hast thou not tortured him enough?' said Hester, noticing the old man's look. "'Has he not paid thee all?' "'No, no. He has but increased his debt,' answered the physician. And as he proceeded, his manner lost its fiercer characteristics and subsided into gloom. "'Dost thou remember me, Hester, as I was nine years agone?' Even then I was in the autumn of my days, nor was it the early autumn. But all my life has been made up of earnest, studious, thoughtful, quiet years, bestowed faithfully for the increase of my own knowledge, and faithfully, too, though this latter object was but casual to the other. No life has been more peaceful and innocent than mine, few lives so rich with benefits conferred. Dost thou remember me? Was I not though you might deem me cold, nevertheless, a man thoughtful for others, craving little for himself, kind, true, just, of constant, if, if not warm, affections. Was I not all this? All this and more, said Hester. And what am I now? demanded he, 
looking into her face and permitting the whole evil within him to be written on his features. I have already told thee what I am. A fiend. Who made me so? It was myself, cried Hester, shuddering. It was I, not less than he. Why hast thou not avenged thyself on me? I have left thee to the scarlet letter, replied Roger Chillingworth. If that has not avenged me, I can do no more. He laid his finger on it with a smile. It has avenged thee, answered Hester Prynne. I judge no less, said the physician. And now what wouldst thou do with me touching this man? I must reveal the secret, answered Hester firmly. He must discern thee in thy true character. What may be the result, I know not. But this long debt of confidence due from him to me, whose bane and ruin I have been, shall at length be paid. So far as concerns the overthrow or preservation of his fair fame in his earthly state, and perchance his life, he is in thy hands. Nor do I, whom the scarlet letter has disciplined to truth, though it be truth of red-hot iron entering into the soul, nor do I perceive such advantage in his living any longer a life of ghastly emptiness that I shall stoop to implore thy mercy. Do with him as thou wilt. There is no good for him, no good for me, no good for thee. There is no good for little Pearl. There is no path to guide us out of this dismal maze. Woman, I could well nigh pity thee, said Roger Chillingworth, unable to restrain a thrill of admiration too, for there was a quality almost majestic in the despair which she expressed. Thou hast great elements. Peradventure, hast thou not met earlier with a better love than mine, this evil had not been. I pity thee, for the good that has been wasted in thy nature. And I thee, answered Hester Prynne, for the hatred that has transformed a wise and just man to a fiend. Would thou purge it out of thee, and be once more human? If not for his sake, then doubtably for thy own. Forgive, forgive, and leave this further retribution to the power that claims it. I said, but now, there could be no good event for him, or thee, or mine, who are wandering together in this gloomy maze of evil, and stumbling at every step over the guilt wherewith we've strewn our path. It is not so. There might be good for thee, and thee alone, since thou hast been deeply wronged, and hast it at thy will to pardon. Would thou give up that only privilege? Would thou reject that priceless benefit? Peace, Hester, peace, replied the old man with gloomy sternness. It is not granted me to pardon. I have no such power as thou tellest of me. My faith, long forgotten, comes back to me and explains all that we do and all we suffer. By thy first step awry, thou didst plant the germ of evil. But since that moment, it has all been a dark necessity. Ye that have wronged me are not sinful, save in a kind of typical illusion. Neither am I fiend-like, who snatched a fiend's office from my hands. It is our fate that the black flower blossom as it may. Now go thy ways, and deal as thou wilt with yonder man. He waved his hand, and betook himself again to his employment of gathering herbs.
Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, let jazz, and if you really enjoyed, do subscribe because there's more to come. And if you're listening on podcast, please leave a review. It is the easiest way to get this in front of as many people as possible, and reading them really makes my day. Once again, thank you for listening, and until next time, bye-bye.